Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. On a bridal wine Christmas day That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land Happy Tuesday, everyone. Rich Swerbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. Yes! With a very special edition of the last week in mortgage today, week two of the 12 days of TMC. And you know by now, 12 days of TMC... Last week in mortgage, we're bringing in the A-listers, and uh, today we go to the bullpen. One of our go-tos, Chief Lending Officer, Paramount Residential Mortgage Group, Kevin Perania. KP, oh, you've, ins- you've inspired me with your hat so much so. I'm gonna break out my festive hat. Uh-oh. I was gonna wear a sweater, but. Uh, that didn't happen. So uh, it's a little too warm here. So don't be jealous of me in Southern California. All right. You, you're not on video. You know that, right? Well, here we go. Come here, Serafina. Come say hi to everybody. Will you go to ballet? You'll see why. Okay. Come great. say hi, baby. Come here. Come here. This is my youngest, Serafina. Oh, how cute. Look at that. Wow. Really? Special treat for the viewers today. <laughs> that is the most Serafina thing ever to do. Say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Serafina. All right, bye-bye, baby. I love you. Are you going to go to ballet? What what a great and unscripted way to start this festive edition of the last week in mortgage today. And I'll just start by, as always, any questions, comments, stock tips, winning bets, chat, Q&A, we'll incorporate (laughs) it into the show. So, KP, first off, thank you, as always, for answering the bell. Really appreciate you making making time for us. Members always appreciate your perspective and looking forward to the conversation today. Same here. This is definitely one of my my favorites. And by the way, you know, right now we're up. At, we're literally up against your boy right now. Like up as with- we, so Rob Christman is on right now on a different podcast. Is he really? So we're we, so we have dueling dueling podcasts. I see the numbers down below. We're looking good. Okay, so you got to text uh, your buddy. I can't you lose your buddy. Oh, no, you, you took him down head to head. Well, that's good to know. I'm, I'm extra inspired for today's episode now. So, um, but uh, let's go ahead and get into it. And KP, some optimism starting to to bleed into the mortgage markets. It, it's been a long time since we've really had any of this, and obviously been a challenging year for the mortgage industry and. Some of the inflation numbers starting to trend in the right way. A little road bump last Friday with a stronger than expected, another stronger than expected jobs report, which right now, most would argue, the thing we don't need. Um, the Fed out there talking their tough game, but it feels like what's kind of going on right now in the mortgage bond market is, uh, uh, you know, they're kind of saying, hey, you know, I, I'm not sure I buy all this tough talk 100%. I'm not sure, uh, you know, uh, I'm fully convinced in in what you're saying because you kind of have to say it. Enough fears priced into the market because uh, we really we got a rally in rates off that jobs report, and really we everybody thought we'd get the opposite. Yeah, I I, I think uh, when you're in a bear market, and if you are inherently cautious, okay, and that, that's that's I think a lot of people are, are saying that bears or pessimists, you know, are are negative. I just think they're being 
cautious or erring on the side of caution or defensive, right? You know, they say, you know, um, you know, better to be safe than sorry. Maybe you live by that mantra. And everyone here, I think, is, you know, grown up and has enough EQ, uh, emotional intelligence to know who they are. And so, you know, you're going to you're gonna pick out from report whatever you think, you know? I mean, I've got people out there that I respect their opinions are calling for 10%, 8.5% interest rates. I mean, we've peaked an interest rate. We're not going to get worse than what we saw in, in October. And so the, the trend has started to go the other way on inflation. Now, that doesn't mean everything goes in a straight line, right? And so I'm an optimist, okay? I, I, I'm on the other side of it, right? Because, you know, if you and I are in a in a dogfight or we're in a foxhole and we're taking on return fire, you don't want the person next to you being like, oh, this is terrible and rates are awful and inflation is going to last forever and the economy sucks and, you know, it's going to be worse than you think in 23 and this is going to last longer, you know, and be worse than you think for longer. I mean, you know, who wants to be fighting next to someone like that? Like, buck up, right? Because the end of the day is no matter how the path is that we get there, we know we're going to come out the other side and we know this thing will turn around. So you just got to fight your way through it. So to your point about the jobs report, um, yeah, I mean, initial reaction was negative from the bond traders, which we all say are the smartest people on Wall Street. And then it turned around. And I think it's because they looked inside the numbers and they saw cracks in there. And um, one of the cracks I, I put on my LinkedIn video last night. So for anyone that's that's not following me, please follow me on LinkedIn. And I have a, a YouTube channel now. We're putting out some, some actual produced content, um, KP Talks, Dollars and Cents. Um, one of the things that was in there, I saw uh, Professor uh, Jeremy Siegel say that the hours worked shrank in that jobs report. So even though there was 263,000 jobs created and the estimate was for 200,000, that's still a slower number and lower than the average we've seen over the last several months. So it was a beat on the headline number, which is what everyone reacts to. But it's still slowing. It's, it's less good news. And Hours worked is a very interesting dynamic. 0.1% less hours worked is the equivalent of 200,000 jobs lost, according to Jeremy Siegel. 200,000, right? And um, I called Barry Habib. You know, he's a guy I respect a lot. I called him yesterday. I go, what do you think? He said he talked to a guy named David Rosenberg, who's very well known out there. He said that equates to 370,000 jobs lost. So we know on the ADP payroll report, there was actually a lot of, you know, a lot more jobs, uh, you know, lost or less good news, you know, with only 133,000 jobs created. But it's all happening in services. It's happening in hospitality and leisure. Um, white collar jobs are going away. Um, you, you know, we see manufacturing reports are down. So, you know, look, if the Fed's going to say they're data dependent, then you and I are going to hang on every new data report that comes out every day. And it's fun to like do all this stuff. And as you know, I even like to place little bets now and then. So, um, you know, uh, some you win, some you lose. Great points all around there, KP. And, you know, uh, you talk about reading the headline number and then kind of looking inside the numbers and, and people will find what they want within it. But you're right. This was a number where the headline number was strong. You look deeper in it. Another component of the uh, monthly jobs report, uh, I think it's called the Challenger. It's it's a survey of hiring uh, managers, uh, you know, gauging temperament on forward thinking things. And in a nutshell, that report this month said that, 
you know, while hiring is still strong now, you know, in the future, they anticipated layoffs the next four months. That element of it was up a little bit. And again, we, you know, it's weird cheering for a slowdown in uh, labor. It's It's very weird. I mean, I, you know, it really is. I mean, I, you know, the normal way the bond markets work, my history as a secondary guy, like bad economic news was good for the mortgage bond markets. I'd be lying as a young secondary guy, probably in over my skis. There weren't days where I went in the, went into some numbers uh, at 830 or 10 a.m. <laughs> secretly cheering for uh, maybe l- uh, lesser than expectations. But but now it's kind of the opposite. I mean, the Fed is almost openly cheering and, and President Biden's even made some comments along those lines. We need essentially more people to enter the labor pool. And employers to stop plucking out of it a little bit. We and 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 that it seems to be that's like the last piece to um the Fed quote unquote kind of sticking the landing. Um mm-hmm. they, they would never admit as much. But this last month, some data points that would seem to indicate they're on the path there. Yeah, I agree. And and let me help you square that because obviously, you know, we don't want to root for people losing their jobs, but here's a way where you can root for bad news and not root for that. Um, you know, our 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 employment and labor market, it just in general, is really broken right now, right? I mean, we as an economy have outgrown, um, you know, the, the economies, the consumer has outgrown the economy's building uh, ability to produce. And so um, the reason why the Fed wants there to be um, a less tight labor market and a little bit higher unemployment is because of that wage price spiral, right? The more people get paid, there's more money chasing less and less goods. And so um, if you crush demand like we have in housing with higher interest rates or car loans or student loans or credit card loans, you crush all these things by bringing, you know, making it more expensive to get credit that overall, you know, these dollars that are out there from higher and higher wages are chasing less and less goods. But what they're doing now is they're chasing services, right? So people have fixed this historically low mortgage rate with the rates the last couple of years. And so they had this access, you know, DTI, you know, what we see on our loan applications every day. And if goods are more expensive or it's more expensive to buy, then they're swapping out paying for goods for paying for services like travel or um, going out to dinner or taking a, a staycation. And so you're, you're seeing inflation still a little bit sticky on the services side. Obviously we had a high services report. Now let me get back to the jobs, job loss cheering, right? So um, in that, report was higher wage inflation. Okay. So wages grew again, a pretty, pretty big number. And um, hat tip again to the MBS highway team. They showed that if you were a job uh, stayer, your wages year to date grew on average 7.9%. If you were a job jumper, it grew 15%. Now that average number that came out, I think in the last report was somewhere between seven and nine, depending on whether you're looking at ADP or payroll. But but I think 5% on the payroll on Friday, 5% for wage inflation. That's not keeping up with the top line inflation. So even though wage inflation is growing, it's still not keeping up with, with inflation, which means that there is some room for that top line to come down and get below wage inflation. And you don't have to lose jobs for the Fed to accomplish their mission in bringing that spiral down, that wage price spiral. You can accomplish it by less job openings or higher weekly jobless claims that say stickier longer. So when you saw that used to be two jobs for every one unemployed, now it's down to 1.7, right? You had a miss on the job opening labor turnover report, the JOLTS report. You went from 10.7 
down to 10.3 million jobs in one month open. So if there's less jobs for you to jump and go get, that means that wage inflation should, in theory, start to come down. Plus, you and I both know on the street, I mean, people are losing jobs. And that challenger sentiment report for hiring managers is obviously evidence of it. So um, I, I think I think the medicine's in the system. I think the Fed knows it. The Fed, you know, I said in my LinkedIn video last night, you know Jerome Powell saw that report on Friday that we saw before it came out, before he spoke on Wednesday. Like, it's not like he doesn't get access to that. And he still went out and said, we're in very uncertain terms. On the December report, we think it's time to come down and have less uh, you know, uh, rate hikes. So go from 75 to 50. So knowing that, he knows there's medicine in the system. He's seeing the cracks. He's seeing things turn over. And you and I see, again, not in a straight line, but geez, I mean, since you know, the last 28 trading days, there have been 485 basis points come out of the mortgage-backed security. So we know rates are getting better. We see it happening. It just takes time. So I'm just going to do something I'm not very good at, sit back, and pretend to be patient, and wait for the holidays to be open. Very well put. This is a special 12 days of TMC edition of the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week, joined by the Chief Lending Officer of PRMG, Kevin Perenio. Uh, and KP, you mentioned your YouTube channel, uh, which is awesome that you finally did that. Uh, I was Thank wondering you. when that would happen. But anybody <laughs> that does not watch KP's daily, almost daily, LinkedIn videos, you are missing out. Follow Kevin Perenio on LinkedIn, seven to 10 minutes succinct, typically funny, always topical, uh, a great start to the morning for me when I see it in my timeline and uh, does such a good job with it. And uh, I know a lot of our members watch them every morning as well, KP. So thanks for putting the time in that, not lost on me, the time investment that takes. Some people think you just, you roll out of bed and stop, start talking. You may, you may do that actually, but you're, you're, I mean, dude, I, 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 my effort pales in comparison to you. Like I'm rambling for 10 minutes at night like just to get it off my chest twice a week. Dude, you're a beast. You're on it a lot. So, I mean, you know, kind words coming from you. So I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Uh, so KP, I was going by every year at the end of this 12 days, I, I try to do like a funny, like year in review thing. And I'm doing the research for that right now and chronologically going through all the news headlines of 2021. And oh you know, boy, the go to the bottle a couple of times in that process. <laughs> The one thing I noticed is just all these bubble, housing bubble predictions that didn't come true. I mean, Morgan Stanley, Bear Stearns, there was one other major international investment firm. One of them predicted a bubble, major housing people from an analyst from those firms. Uh, one of them predicted a bubble. If, oh, if 30-year fixed rates get to 5%, if 30-year fixed rates get to 6%. I bring this all up, one, because we went there and it didn't happen. And two, as we sit, it's it's been a very tough year. Um, but as we as we get ready to embark on a new year, I, I find myself pleased at how well our industry has sustained really a tumultuous year. Yes, of course, there's been some MA, there's been some people uh from an employment side of our industry that's been impacted negatively, but it appears at least the Fed is on the right track to solving the big issue that ails our industry, the industry interest rate issue. Delinquencies are at an all-time low. There is uh, just strong stability in the secondary markets for American mortgage product. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a tough year, but one that we needed, quite frankly, to undo some of the stimulus and things that happened after the pandemic. And it feels like we're on a good foot as we get ready to flip the calendar. 
I agree. And, 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 you know, it's, it's a, it's a good thing that you and I are getting the word out, you know, to our industry colleagues so they can get out to their teams and then we can turn around and tell people what the deal is because, you know, originators are the ones teaching financial literacy at scale. You know, you and I can put out our podcasts and, you know, my LinkedIn and my YouTube channel, whatever, but it's, it's not getting to the masses. It's our originators that do the work. And the sad thing is they are having conversations that don't occur because of the media. And, and it, it, that's why social media is so important, right? We are, every single originator is a local micro-influencer and people that follow them are listening to them. And it sounds different than what you hear from, like you said, the Morgan Stanley's and whatnot. You know, um, I heard something a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't heard it yet. And I know that they always say that bond traders are the smartest people on Wall Street. But, you know, these institutional investors are literally in charge of trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars. They cannot afford to make a mistake when the jobs report comes out, which is why, you know, you saw, you know, uh, you saw a movement kind of defensive. And then after everyone looked at details, then it got a little bit more open. Right. So someone said something the other day on, on CNBC a couple weeks ago. Said bond traders, institutional traders, the reports you just mentioned, they're always grumpy because the best they can do is par. Right. I mean, they're just trying to break even. You know, if you're a if you're a bond trader or a mortgage-backed securities trader, you know, you don't like volatility. Now, um, you know, Kramer says you you invest in bonds not to lose money. You invest in stocks and equities to make money. You're taking risk. And um, the reality is, you know, our world is built on credit. So like I, I saw this principles thing a couple of years ago by Ray Dalio, and he said that you know there's like two or three trillion dollars in actual cash, but there's fifty trillion in credit. That's actually like a lot more than that, right? The number, but that's kind of the ratio. And so our business is built on leverage. Our business is built on credit, and we we have been a shining star twice, leading our way through the pandemic. Now being the first to take it absolutely on the chin by the Fed's actions, we are in a full blown recession in housing. And we're going to be the first one to come out of it when we go into a recession, when the Fed stops raising rates, pauses, and then maybe at some point even brings it down. We're the ones that will have high five percentage rates and then maybe even better than that with rate cuts. And again, we will be that shining beacon on the hill. And our credit is good. Our credit is as immaculate as it can get. And I'll say this like I've said it before. I know we don't like Dodd-Frank. I know we don't like regulation. I don't really like, like all that. But it worked. Non-QM worked. Taking non-QM and carving out the, the toughest credit stuff, which used to be called subprime, and putting that in its own bucket. And you let all those little private monies fight it out. You let them screw each other over. You know, all the Wall Street guys. Yeah, we'll buy your paper. We'll buy your paper. Oh, just kidding. Well, okay, now we'll buy it from you two months later for 80 cents on the dollar. That is not in the Fannie, Freddie, Jenny paper pool now. And look at, look at HUD. They have 11.11%. Make a wish. You know, uh, capital reserve over like $143 billion. What are they waiting for? Oh, we're waiting for an act of Congress. Bullshit. They're waiting to see if there's a job loss recession and maybe they can deploy that capital with, you know, maybe some more housing initiatives, which would be great. But um, an MIP cut would be fantastic, right? But um, yeah, the credit quality of our business is, is absolutely insane. And so, you know, there's a reason why the Fed put something like $3 trillion of it on their books of mortgage backed securities. Because it's going to perform and it's not going anywhere at those low interest rates. So I, 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 you know, a bubble is such a subjective, you know, word. It's easy to throw that out there. And if 
you've never been through this and you weren't through it in the Great Recession, which was a credit collapse. We don't have a credit collapse. Now, are there some bubbly things in certain markets? Yeah, sure. But again, we have no housing supply. So rates start to come down. That demand will grow coupled with a wave of demographics. Millennials still want to put a roof over their head. And, um, you know, homes are going to fly off the shelf again because there just aren't any of them. You know, my 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 video, I went and cut content, uh, content in Culver City yesterday. I'm trying to build a spec home in Culver City. We just went to contract on another one. I'm doing a Palm Desert. I'm taking risks to supplement my income because I'm not making it in mortgages. So, you know, um, you know, but, you know, look, people might call me crazy or anyone that's doing investment flip, fix and flip work right now, but there's no supply. There's no homes. There's no new product out there. And home builders don't go into an existing neighborhood and make it newer and fresher and regentrify it. You and I do, right? Custom people taking risks go in and make something that's an existing home a little bit newer and nicer. And that's where the supply really lacks. Because if you want a new home, you got to go way on the outskirts of town and wait for the large builders to get their stuff together and feel like they want to take risk in this market. It's it's a broken system for housing supply, and the Fed can't fix that either. Great points all around. <clears throat> this is the last week in mortgage today. Uh, got about 10 minutes left with Kevin Peranio of Paramount Residential Mortgage Group. But in the chat, you can find KP's YouTube page. Just follow him on LinkedIn and uh, you'll start to see his videos uh, come into your feed in the morning. And uh, just a reminder, this kicks off another great week, week number two, jam-packed full of content, the 12 days of TMC coming up just after us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Sean Donovan, who was the HUD secretary for many years, actually just made a run at the New York City mayoral post a couple of years ago. So excited to get his perspective on everything going on with the mortgage markets. KP, a couple big pieces of news broke last week. I'd love to get your reaction on conforming loan limits uh, increase. Not really any surprise there in, in terms of the timing or the amount from all most. <laughs> um, and then secondly, um, these FICO tri-merge inspired credit costs that are now rippling their way through the mortgage infrastructure. I would love your thoughts on, on those two pieces of news from last week. Well, uh, okay. So th- there's, there's this kind of theme I've, that's kind of motivated me in my life. It's why I, I run with the really high motor. And um, I've always felt that if you look at Europe and you see what established civilizations look like, or gosh, look at China. I mean, they're huge. Um, or India, you know, you just look at how, you know, we're, you know, we're 330 million people. So, and we have a lot of land, a lot of resources, so we're not there yet, but you see a lot of like uh, haves and haves nots. And you see this big gap, this wealth gap, and the middle class is, is a, is a tough no man's land, right? So, you know, do we have to say no person's land? I don't know, but um, you know, it is, um, it is a place in Europe where it's hard to be. And a lot of it has to do with owning land and, and, and property. And I've been running scared. Um, I've never sold a property. You know, every place I've ever lived, everything I ever bought since 01, I've never sold a property. And, um, you know, you look at the last couple of years, total bonus there, you know, seeing 20 plus percent appreciation in, in pretty much every market for a couple of years running. That's how wealth is created. And um, that's why it's so important what we do in this industry is we're, especially for a first time home buyer, like, Hey, you've got to get into a starter home, you know. And thank God, you know the the single um, uh, the single female is like 
the fastest growing first time home buyer segment, you know, um, you know, cause they're smarter. We know we have wives that, you know, make us whole here, you know? Um, and so you're, you're getting them to get into houses. That's their starter home. Like we had a starter car and it sucked. And it's the same thing with the house. You're not going to get the pool and the mansion and the dream home that comes later, but you've got to open the door as opposed to renting higher loan amounts, just exacerbate that gap. And I know nobody wants to hear that, but look, look at the, look at new construction, all the red tape and BS you got to go through. And I, I'm living it like building these homes. There is on average, when I was at the housing renaissance, this invite only think tank, $95,000 in extra costs for a new home construction, just BS, red tape, municipality, this, that, permitting, blah, 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 95,000 just to build a new door. Just so happens that the median home price for new construction is around the high, you know, you know, 450s and up range. And for existing home, it's in that 350. So you're seeing a widening of the gap. And new home builders don't want to build small houses. They want to build large houses with larger margin and more money. So with higher loan amounts, that's going to get exacerbated. So the low to moderate income housing niches by our, our regulators is couldn't come at a better time. Um, incentives for new products. You know, when I was in the airport last time, you and I chatted on this, um, you know, uh, with Robbie Chrisman, you know, I talked about disruptive 3D home printing and how that could help, you know, low income and moderate bars get into a cheaper price point for a house. And it's happening. There's, um, I think it was uh, Lenar D.R. Horton, one of them is doing a big project of 100 units outside of Austin. You could check it out, 3D printed homes. That loan amount's great. It's great for us, great for refis next year. The rich are going to get richer. There's more cash in the system. And that widening gap is going to happen. So that that's the bad side of it. Upside next year, higher loan amounts for all of us will be great. Um, <clears throat> how do I say this politically, which I won't, but um, the credit report thing is bullshit, right? So um, I, I'm just going to say it, you know, um, um, look, I didn't even know FICO was based in Montana, right? You know, I, I thought there was good people there. But, um, you know, uh, look, they, they, they it's, it's, there's no coincidence that when the regulation comes out that says, hey, in two years, it's not going to be three reports of my FICO, uh, you know, algorithm. It's only going to be two. And then also in those two will be the Vantage score algorithm. So and then because it's only two of the three bureaus, one of them's got to get cut out every time. So now they're going to compete on price. So if I'm FICO, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have third less of my algorithms going out, plus margin compression going down on the two reports I have going out in two years. Okay, we face margin compression. Do we raise our rates right now? Hell no, we get slaughtered. So they're taking advantage of a situation. So what they say is, well, we have this new pricing scale going into place where based on whatever, whatever. And what my understanding is the way they have the tiers is that they don't count uh, credit reports on deals that are prospects or prequels. They're only counting the numbers on funded loans and they're using funded loans to come up. So if I have 500,000 credit reports, but only 100,000 tri-merges that become fundings, my, my 400,000 doesn't really get calculated in my tier placement. Now, someone at FICO is going to tell me, well, that's not true. And they try to come out and spin it. Bottom line is, you raised the prices. You took advantage of your monopoly. You're screwing over bars. You know it. You know it. We all know it. 
You can put lipstick on a pig, but you're screwing us all over. We all know it. It's bullshit. And that's that's what it is. And so, you know, someone needs to call the CFPB on them because, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, some some people out there making a stink of it. But at the end of the day, we all know the bar is going to pay for it. So, you know what? Just do soft pulls. Just do soft pulls. Don't do the tri-merge anymore. You know, let's just hit them in the pocketbook now. If they're going to play that game, we got to play the game too. So you heard it. That's my take. I'd heard that before that they, the calculations were based on just closed loans and not all credit pools. We obviously are not just pulling credit on. It they was like some, of bullshit, some sliding scale, something, something, someone came out and said BS. It reminds me of when Fannie and Freddie changed the, like the percentage of non-owner you could have in your pipeline a couple of years ago, based on like, you know, two years ago's numbers and not all the inflated investor buying stuff that we've seen uh, more recently. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm pretty certain the CFPB, it's it's got their attention already and they're, they're looking into it, you know. The it tier, does. They like, there was just a lot of stuff in the FICO release that almost was like dumbing their nose at the, you know, the regulatory community. So it uh, will be interesting to see how that one plays out to be sure. So. KP, uh, one last thing. I, somebody told me this. I thought it was a, a good statement. Uh, the last 90 days, never more reflective of like the true strength of an LO than, than the last 90 days and, and than ever before. Is that, would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that plus the next 90. <laughs> last 90. There you go. I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a tale of two halves. It, it has been tough. Um, you know, we're in a seasonal drawdown anyway. People kind of go into hiding here in the holidays. And January and February aren't the greatest months, but it does start to pick up. And so, um, you know, when they say that the hour is darkest before the dawn. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be tested. What, the real test in that next 90 days is how fast do people spring out of it? How how fast do we snap back? You know, um, and yeah, it, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, we we say built by originators for originators. You know, we're trying to arm our team with every tool they can get. I know all of these good people on here, um, you know, part of the collaborative and all our listeners, we're all going through this together. Um, you know, we're one big, great community. I know we compete, but we're all trying to just put people in houses and do the right thing. And, um, I, you know, I love your positive energy. You know, all we can do is be positive for our teams and just know that when you see those positive data points come out and you see rates come down, you are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel right here in the depth of the darkness. So. Um, yeah, it's almost there. We're almost there. It's going to feel normal again next year. Uh, but we got to put in some work right now. And I, I am hearing that pipelines are swelling up. People are getting prequals. Everyone's looking, right? Consumers are looking. They need a house, right? And so it's going to happen. We're going to have a nice, surprising spring purchase season. And um, of course, it starts with doing the work today. I love it. Very well said, KP. As always, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this special 12 Days of TMC edition of the last week of mortgage today. Really appreciate you, brother. Thank you. And Sean Donovan, FHLB CEO, former HUD secretary, former New York mayoral candidate. Link in the chat going live right now. Thanks, awesome. everybody. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks, KP. Yeah. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.